Good morning. Christ is risen. He is risen oh, I know you got better than that in you. Christ is risen. He is risen yeah, you got to shake your head a little bit. Give a little bit of attitude. Christ is risen. So there are these two men walking along this road, and it goes to a place called Emmaus. And they're about seven miles away from Jerusalem. Now, what happened in Jerusalem around Easter time? Jesus is crucified there, right? So they're walking along, and the scripture records that they're kind of depressed. They're walking along, and then a stranger comes up and starts to walk beside them. And in fact, here's what happened. This is Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. That same day, the day that the third day after the crucifixion when there was supposed to be something special happening that people didn't understand yet. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were going to a village called Emmaus, and it's about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. See, there were followers of Jesus, and they were leaving Jerusalem because the outcome of what they had expected didn't happen. It was a different outcome. As they talked about those things, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But look at what the scripture says. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. This is cool. Verse 16, God kept them from recognizing him. And it literally in the old language says their eyes were kept from seeing him. They could not recognize who he was. To them, he was a stranger. And the reason is, is because God has not only the capability, but the prerogative to till the soil of human hearts to prepare them to receive the good news of Jesus. Because in most cases, we spend our time religiously focusing on the trees instead of the forest. And we're going to hopefully prove that a little bit today. The forest is the good news of Jesus. The trees are our expectations of that good news and the baggage that we carry into those expectations so the two men are talking with Jesus. He presents as a stranger. Their eyes are kept from seeing him. And he comes up and he says, what are you guys discussing as you walk along? And they can't believe it because everybody in the region knows what just happened two days earlier in Jerusalem. Everybody knows. So one of them says to him, have you not heard? Are you the only one who doesn't know what happened in Jerusalem? You know, almost like, come on, wake up. And so Jesus says, well, tell me about that. What things? Well, it's about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. He was powerful in what he said and did in the sight of God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed Jesus over to be sentenced to death. And they nailed him to a cross. But... We had hoped that he was the one who was going to set Israel free. Also, it's the third day. And he said something to us about something happening on a third day. You guys remember that? It's the third day now. Some of our women amazed us too. Earlier this morning, they went to the tomb, but they didn't find his body. See, there were four things, four issues that these guys had with Jesus and I would submit today that we probably have some of the same issues. The first one is this, that Jesus is powerful in what he says and does. Jesus is powerful in the way he said things and the way he did things. And for them, they were expecting that power to bear fruit in a way that they expected. And that didn't happen. 
So they were questioning the things that Jesus said. They knew that when Jesus spoke, stuff happened. So Jesus didn't say things glibly or frivolously. You should have heard me try to say frivolous at 8.30 service without having had any coffee yet. That didn't come out right. But they knew when he spoke that there was power in his words and that stuff happened. People were healed. Waves and storms were calmed. Then the second issue they had is that he was nailed to a cross. If he's the son of God, then why would he not stop himself from going to the cross? It was the same idea that people challenged him with when he was hanging on a cross. By the way, the cross was typically about uh, kind of eye level to where you were standing. So it wasn't like pictures, you know, where it's way up high like this. Jesus was stripped naked and whipped and stakes were put, big six-inch nail stakes were put through his wrists and through his feet, and he was literally hung at eye level, so you'd be looking them in the eye, fully naked, bleeding out, stripped down. Yet Jesus claims that he's the Messiah, and here he goes to the cross. The third issue is this. They hoped he was going to set Israel free, meaning this was the point for them. The idea was that Jesus was going to come and militarily set them free, politically set them free. He's going to free them from the oppression of the Roman oppressors of the region. That didn't happen. So all of a sudden now, this Jesus and their expectations are not meeting. And then lastly, there's no body. And to this very day, there is still no body to produce evidence that Jesus died and stayed dead. Notice I didn't say to produce evidence that Jesus died. We got plenty of that, but there's no evidence to say that he stayed dead because there never has been a body and they didn't know where his body was and they didn't know what was going on and they were confused and they were depressed. The scripture says their faces were downcast and they stopped in their tracks and they questioned Jesus. Do you not know what has been going on? What's up with you? So Jesus does this. He meets them at their point of need. And here's how that works for them. And here's how that works for you and me on this resurrection day. There are four responses from God to meet the four issues that the two men on the road to Emmaus had. The first one is this. Jesus demonstrates power in everything he says and everything he does. If you study the things Jesus says and does, you'll notice that there is power there. The Greek dunamis, power that is starting in one place and moving outward. Jesus has power in everything he says and does. He doesn't do anything lightly, glibly, or frivolously. Jesus' word and action has power in it. And as such, when Jesus goes to the cross, what he's doing is he's getting the attention of the world from that time backward in time where we read Psalm 22 the other day, and remember Psalm 22 says, my hands and my feet are pierced. This was a capital punishment that didn't exist a thousand years before Jesus when David wrote that Psalm. So, so Jesus is, is getting the attention from the past. He's getting the attention from the present. So people are watching him being crucified in real time and getting depressed and moving on away from Jerusalem down cast and brokenhearted. And then he's getting the attention of the future, which is us right now. The attention is that that thing that happened on the cross is so inhumane, so gross, so wrong, so disgusting, 
so terrible, so horrible that we're still talking about it, y'all. 2,000 years later, Jesus could have just dropped over and died. You ever thought about that? But he didn't. He went to some horrible, excruciating death that we're still talking about to this day. So Jesus intends to do what God does, and that is to get your attention and to begin to till the soil of your heart to make room in it so that his good news can come in it and bear fruit there. God's that smart. He knows how to deal with your heartstrings to get your attention, to till the soil of your heart so that something can powerfully change your life when he speaks. The second response is this, that Jesus went through that pain. He chose to do this, pain, suffering, and death to achieve his goal. Jesus had an objective in mind when he went to the cross. And the objective is this. If you don't hear anything else today, if you don't smell the lovely flowers today, if you don't see the beautiful choir in his robes today, if you don't hear the beautiful music, if you don't hear the words of the liturgy, if you don't taste that yummy donut, you can laugh, it's okay. If nothing else resonates with you like this, his goal is you. So wherever you come into the room today, God intends to till the soil of your heart. He intends to make room in it for himself. Jesus does this. He experiences and he overcomes human limitations. Now think about this. Human limitations and expectations to bring you and all people to himself. The scripture says that God desires that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, God is loving enough to give us the choice to reject him and say no, but that's not because God made you say no. You're the one who has the choice to say no. God wants you in his life. God wants you to say yes. So God tills the soil of your heart right where you are to make room for the news you're going to hear today. And not only that, he doesn't just do that for us as a whole, but he does that in our lives individually. God overcomes the limitations of your life and your very expectations of him in order to till the soil of your heart and bring you closer to him in fellowship with him, in friendship with him, in family relationship with him, and in fact, all those that he's placed in your life. Now, you may be thinking today, no, that's not me. You, Pastor Mike, you have no idea what I've done. Hey, I'm right there with you. This white robe does not make me holy. We have all sinned and fall short, finish it, of the glory of God. And yet at the same time, Jesus is smart and he knows how to mess with your heart. He will till that soil and prepare it to receive good news. This is why Jesus works. This is why the concept of Jesus happens in real time. Because we're able to look back almost 2,000 years and see something so gross and yet so very beautiful at the same time. 
through the instrument of Roman execution, a brutal instrument, God brought the light of the world to bear on your heart and mine. And you got to admit, without that cross, we might not have paid as much attention. Neither would have those two guys walking on the road to Emmaus. But did you notice how Jesus did? He came alongside them and walked with them. This is the nature of our Lord Jesus, the one who was raised from the dead. Did you know that he lives this day? He sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and one day he will return, finish it. You guys remember your catechism a little bit, don't you? (laughs) He'll return to judge the living and the dead. Guess what? In Christ, you are alive, you know, because guess what? Because Jesus is alive. Christ is risen. Yeah, that's got a little more guts in it. Let's do it one more time. Christ is risen. He is risen now I can feel that right here. I can feel it. Jesus lives to be real and present in you. He lives to be real and present. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is not a fairy tale. There's enough evidence in history to show Jesus, the man, God, rose from the grave. He rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven. And as he did that, he made it clear that he wants to be real and present to you. Now, what does that mean? It means every day he's walking with you in your life, just like the two men on the road to Emmaus. And the way Jesus came to the two men on the road to Emmaus is he didn't bring the scroll of the Old Testament and bang them over the head with it, did he? He simply sidled up alongside them and walked and engaged in their life, in their conversation. Look at what Jesus says through the scriptures about Bible study and an interaction with the Bible that the church does these days. He says this, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. In other words, you think you'll find Bible study your source of eternal life. But the scripture says, you missed the forest for the trees. Like the two men on the road to Emmaus were missing the forest for the trees, but their hearts were not tilled yet. Christ was in process of doing that, process of doing that. The scriptures, the scriptures say from Jesus's words, these scriptures are all about me. And he says, here I am standing right in front of you and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. Jesus is here. He is right here. He is real. He is offering to be present, but he's not going to come at you with a rolled up scroll and bang you over the head with it. He's not going to thump a Bible at you. He's not going to point his finger at you and shame you. He's going to gently walk up beside you. He's going to whisper in your ear, what are you talking about today? And on this day, you can converse with him. Christ, I've got this day in front of me that's a beast. I need strength to attack this day with everything I've got. And Jesus says, no, you don't need strength. You need me. I will go before you and I will fight your battles for you. God, I've got this broken relationship in my family that I cannot heal. And Jesus is like, right, you can't heal that. You will never be able to heal that broken relationship in your family. But I can heal dead stuff, broken stuff, 
Why don't you let me do that? You see where he's going with this? He wants to walk with you in your average everyday life. Look at what Jesus says about the scriptures here. This is John 20. Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in the book. So church, yes, we study the Bible. We do study the Bible and we love to study the Bible. But do not try to Bible study your way into heaven. That's irrelevant. When you read the scriptures, find Jesus Listen to him, watch him, copy him, ask questions of him, interact with him because you know what? He's already walking beside you. You may just not have seen the forest yet because you may be looking at the trees of life. You know, have you ever wondered why it was women, the women who ran and told the disciples? that Jesus wasn't in the grave. You ever wondered about that? The women stuck around when the disciples were on the run, right? They were afraid for their lives and they were running, but the women were still there. And it was the women who went and investigated the tomb and ran into the angels. Did you know that women back in that time were marginalized and were set aside as less than people? Christ chose them to be present at his tomb and to be real with him in his moment of need, naked, dripping blood, standing completely vulnerable in front of them. He chose those women. And then he also chose those same women to deliver the gospel message of Jesus for the first time. He is risen. One more time for good measure. He is risen. He is risen indeed. So Jesus says to the men on the road to Emmaus, how foolish you are, how long it takes you to believe all that the prophets said when you read your Bible. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and receive his glory? See, God always intended for Jesus to go to the cross. He always meant for Jesus to go to the cross. That's why Psalm 22 just explicitly shares that whole experience a thousand years before Jesus goes and does it. He always intended to send Jesus to the cross. And Jesus always was going to go there and he was always going to die there. And he was always going to rise again. And he was always going to walk with those two men and come right up alongside them, gently, quietly. What is it you're concerned about today? That's our Jesus. That's the one we're talking about today. He's walking along that road. My friend, you're on that road right now. And you have concerns in your life and you have issues with God and you have things that as you're walking along, you're gonna be tempted to have that face be downcast, to be sad on the inside because life isn't going your way. And right alongside you walks the living son of God. That's not a fairy tale for small children, my friend. That is for grown up people who need a God who cares and loves and spends his days with us. Look at how else Jesus works. This is from Luke chapter four in verse 28. As they approached the village, 
where they were going, Jesus kept walking as if he were going farther. Because, you know, Jesus has got stuff to do, y'all. He's got a busy calendar. He's moving on, right? But they tried hard to keep him from leaving. They said, stay with us. It is nearly evening. The day is almost over. Did you notice what they did there? They actually invited him to hang out with them. And then the scripture says this, so he went in to stay with them. So the question for all of us is this. When is the last time, knowing how Jesus works, when is the last time we invited Christ into our walk? Do you feel like the scripture proves that he's ready, willing, and able, and that in fact he's probably already there wanting to talk with you? wanting to be in your life. If you've never thought about that before, think about that today. Because he is risen. You guys are well trained by now. You understand that, right? He is risen. So will you go out of this place today And as you walk on your Emmaus road, acknowledge that there is a Jesus who walks alongside you gently and humbly and asks you the question, what are you talking about today? What are you thinking about today? And will you invite him into your day? Yeah, you. Will you? He wants to be in that day with you. If you believe that as I do, say, yes, I believe. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to stop and examine the walk of Jesus, the gentle, quiet walk of Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to stop and think about how that applies to my life, how he is the God who walks with me. And how he, as he walks along, is waiting for those little conversations that I initiate with him. God, give me in that moment of despair, of loneliness, of self-isolation, the power of your spirit at work in me to believe and trust that Jesus rose from the grave for me. Yes, for me. Regardless of my past, present, or future. He rose for me, and he intends to walk with me in it, conquering the past, healing the present, and carving out a path for the future. It's the God who cares, who lives, who is real, who is present. And we celebrate him every single day, if not with the words, but with the thought Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.